Every so many generations, and don't ask me how many because I couldn't even begin to say, Allah Hayam intervenes in his story and plants a divine seed among humanity. Yep, I said it, and I'm not apologizing to the cancel culture committee. Between events such as what I've just described and a cyclical armada of resets, I figure it's our Heavenly Father's way of setting the drifting ship on course. Yahusha HaMashiach's conception through the Virgin Miriam you know about. Ask any Christian and they won't even have to blink twice at that one. Some of you will recall my paper on the birth of Noah. I gave a presentation on that one as well, by which I quoted from a number of sources which unashamedly attribute Noah to a pre-existent heavenly angel or the like. Your other homework assignment is to read my doctoral dissertation on pre-existence. I gave a presentation on that one as well. Well, back then with the birth of Noah, I was a bit more bashful when talking about subjects such as this, concerned that the torch and pitchfork parade might reroute to my coordinates. But seeing as how my name has landed on many a normie's blacklist by this point, I figure I might as well go ahead and say what many of you are pondering anyways. It's true, all of it. Yitzhak was a divine conception rather than a fleshly one. His announcement came when Yahuwah Alahayam was again revealed to Abraham at the oak woods of Mamre, while he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day, healing from circumcision. Immediately afterwards, here is what we read. Then he raised his eyes and looked, and saw three men standing opposite to him. And he looked, and called to them from the door of his tent, and bowing to the ground said, Adoniah, if now I have found favor in your eyes, will you not come in to your servant? Take a little water, and wash your feet, and rest under the wood, and take a bit of bread and refresh your hearts, and afterwards proceed. Perhaps it was for this you passed near your servants? And they replied, Do as you have said. Abraham also ran to the fold, and took a fine fat calf, and gave it to a youth, who at once dressed it. Then he took cheese and milk, and the calf which he had dressed, and placed it before them. And he stood opposite them under the trees while they were eating. They afterwards asked him, Where is Sharaha, your covenant woman? And he replied, She is in the tent. He then said, I will restore you as at the period of youth, and there shall come a son from Sharaha, your woman. And Sharaha heard it at the door of the tent, where she was behind him. Now Abraham and Sharaha were old, advanced in years. It was not with Sharaha as women are. So Sharaha laughed in her apartment, saying, after I am wasted, will there be pleasure for me, even when my Adan is old? Yahuwah consequently said to Abraham, Why did Sharaha laugh, saying, Shall I suckle a child when I am old? Is it a too great thing for Yahuwah, the ever-living, to say, At such a time, I will return to you the period of youth, and give a son to Sharaha? But Sharaha denied everything. I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He, however, answered, Yes, you did laugh. 
Paleo Bereshith or Genesis 18, 2-15. A straightforward and literal reading has Yahuwah Alahayam making a personal appearance alongside two other angels. I would think that's a problem for those who claim Yahuwah is the father rather than the son of Alahayam, whom we would later come to know as Yehusha HaMashiach. But I digress. Abraham has a youth prepare a calf for consumption. Have you ever stopped to ponder how long that would take? Hours is my best guess. The length of Abraham's visitation with his three guests is contrasted by Sharaha, who never once makes an appearance. We know this because they eventually get around to asking Abraham concerning the whereabouts of his covenant woman. Perhaps her absence was the standard for modesty, I couldn't really say. The episode is likely familiar to everyone. I probably don't need to redress the entire scene. Though the three visitors are ultimately on their way to investigate the cries reaching to heaven from Sodom, their mission is twofold in that Yitchak's impending conception is also being announced for a menopausal woman. Sharaha laughs at the news. Overhearing her mockery from within the tent, Yahawah calls her out on it but then she denies having done the deed. It is certainly no coincidence then that the very name Yitchak means laughter. One other observation worth mentioning is that Abraham's promise is being made secure within hours of the Plain City's judgment by fire and sulfur. There are no coincidences. Skipping right over Sodom's destruction and that incident involving Lot's daughters retrieving their father's seed in the darkness of a cave. Really though, it's all interconnected. We come upon another interesting scene. Abimelech has taken Sharaha into his company, thinking her to be the sister of Abraham rather than a covenant woman. Then Abraham appealed for Abimelech to Alahayam, and Alahayam made the woman of Abimelech fruitful, and his servants as well, and they gave birth to children because Yahuwah the Ever-Living had sterilized those of the household of Abimelech on account of Sharaha, the covenant woman of Abraham. Paleo Bereshith or Genesis 20, 17-18 The short of it is that Yahuwah Alahayam sterilized everyone within Abimelech's household so that the men could not come at their wives via erectile dysfunction and what does that tell you? Sharaha had not yet conceived. Furthermore, I am of the impression that she could have had Yahuwah not put a stop to Abimelech's efforts. This also not only implies that her menopause had been reversed, it stresses the fact that Abraham had not attempted a child with her. Speaking of which, we turn now to the scene you've all been waiting for. Sharaha's conception. Yahuwah the Ever-Living afterwards effected with Sharaha what he had promised, and Yahuwah did for Sharaha that which he had said. And Sharaha, conceiving, gave birth to a son to Abraham in his old age in the way that Alahayam had promised him. Abraham accordingly gave the son born to him by Sharaha the name of Yetchek. And Abraham circumcised Yitchak on the eighth day, as Alahayam had instructed him. Paleo Bereshith 21, 1 through 
four. A raise of hands. How many people read the act of adult procreation into this passage? Don't be shy. I'm willing to bet just about everybody. Well then, read it again. Sex. It's simply not there. Though we are trained like a barking seal to think it is, we are furthermore never once told that Abraham knew his woman. Yes, Sharaha conceived and gave birth to a son for Abraham, but then don't overlook the fact that Hagar had already given birth to a child for Sharaha. In either case, Sharaha's womb, when it came to Hagar, and then Abraham's seed, when it came to Yitzhak, had nothing to do with it. This time around, the entire incident was Yahuwah's doing from beginning to end. Read again what it says. She gave birth to a son to Abraham in the way that Alahayam had promised him. What way? By way of intercourse between man and woman? No, by having Yahuwah personally visit her. The writings of Abraham is another text which rarely seems to disappoint. I quote from it often, not often enough. On recent occasions, my own readers have listened to my take on one subject or another only to point out what I'd completely missed in Abraham. It's why I went to the source right away on this go around, and it confirms everything. Here's what it says. And Yahweh appeared unto me in the plains of Mamre, and he said unto me, Behold, Yishmael shall not be thine heir, neither Eliezer, for Sharaha will I bless, and I will give thee a son of her. She shall be the mother of nations and kings, and people shall be of her. Then I fell upon my face before Yahuwah, and I rejoiced, and I said unto him, O Adonai, it is a wondrous thing that this promise should be fulfilled when I am a hundred years old, and Sharaha is ninety. And Yahuwah said, Prepare thine heart to receive it. And he told me many secret things concerning the conception of the child, which are great mysteries to the unenlightened. But the elect shall know them, and I rejoice therein. The Writings of Abraham Again, the idea that Yahuwah would give Abraham a child through Sharaha is a repeat of Sharaha's agreement with Hagar. The conception and birth of Yishmael through a surrogate mother was the setup for Yahuwah's intervention. But that's not what I want you to see. Keep reading. Yahuwah told Abraham to prepare his heart for the mystery about to be unveiled. Now that I think about it, that's what I should have told you from the very beginning of this exercise. Oops. Better late than never. Prepare your hearts if you haven't already. He then told Abraham many secret things concerning the conception of the child, which are furthermore great mysteries to the unenlightened. Wait, what? Sex. It was sex, right? What the unenlightened don't know about is sex education. That must be it. When a man loves a woman, they make babies and all that. Or maybe what it's actually saying is that the unenlightened will not be willing to receive what actually happened in Sharaha's tent. The child was brought about by Yahuwah. Abraham needed to prepare his heart to deal with the fact that a child of promise was coming and his physicality would have nothing to do with it. Turns out, 
Philo of Alexandria, he lived from 20 BC to 50 AD, was another unashamed advocate of Yitzhak's divine conception. I was capable of tracking down two quotes of his which make the claim. So here is the first. When happiness, that is Yitzhak, was born, she says, in the pious exaltation, Yahweh has caused me laughter, and whoever shall hear of it shall rejoice with me. Open your ears, therefore, O ye initiated, and receive the most sacred mysteries. Laughter is joy, and the expression has caused is equivalent to has begotten. So what is here said has some such meaning as this, Yahuwah has begotten Yitzhak. Allegorical Laws 3 19 Initiated? Oh dear, that's somewhat awkward. What boys club was Philo initiated in, I wonder? Did his fanbase consist of mystery schools and monastic orders with guarded memberships? Or are we talking the Freemason Brotherhood? I'll leave that one for you to decide. See how easy it is to get distracted in these things? I do agree that the subject at hand is not for everyone. Certainly not for the majority, being that we're dealing with a heavenly mystery. The heavenly mysteries are pearls intended for the spiritually awakened and the few. And so, if this is you, then welcome. The essence here being that Yahuwah begot Yitzhak, according to Philo, by which I agree. Point made, moving on. Next quote. And I will bring forward as a competent witness and proof of what I have said, the most holy Moshe. For he introduces Sharaha as conceiving a son when Alahayam beheld her by himself. But he represents her as bringing forth her son, not to him who beheld her then, but to him who was eager to attain to wisdom. And his name is called Abraham. On the Cherubs 45. Everything that I've so far been attempting to convey couldn't be made any more clearer when Philo writes, he, Moshe, introduces Sharaha as conceiving a son when Alahayam beheld her by himself. That is to say, Abraham was not in the room or tents at the moment of her conception. The child, however, was brought forth and presented to the person who is eager to attain wisdom. Chokma is the Hebrew name for wisdom, the Ruach HaKadosh, yet another important missing puzzle piece in this discussion. I'm not saying I'm right about Yitchak's divine conception, except to say, if I am correct, and I believe myself to be, then it is those who pursue wisdom who will give an open and considerate ear to the mystery. Because these arguments always come down to the but Paul crowd in the end, I present to you precisely what Paul had to say on the subject at hand. He too believed in the divine conception of Yitzhak. Don't believe me already, I shouldn't wonder. Well then, look no further. Therefore, know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. Galatians 3, 7. You will tell me it says nothing regarding Yitzhak's conception being a divine one. Be patient. I'm setting up the argument. Paul is straight up saying only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. In doing so, 
he is telling the Yahudim that they may be physical children of Abraham, as Yitzhak was, but that has nothing to do with their being actual sons of the kingdom. I could pull a Yochanan, that would be John, chapter 8, verse 44, out from the woodwork, and quote from Yehusha HaMashiach on the occasion, when he straight up told the Parashim that they were the spiritual children of their father, HaSatan. But I will let you look it up for yourself. In the same manner, Paul is saying that only those who are grafted in through faith, an action which cannot be separated from faithfulness, are true legitimate sons of Abraham and heirs of the promise. It is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and the other by a free woman. One, the child of the slave, was born according to the flesh. The other, the child of the free woman, was born through the promise. Galatians 4, 22-23 Jump forward to the following chapter, and I don't know how this could be written any more clearly. Yitzhak was the child of Hagar, a slave, born according to the flesh, which is the same thing as saying Abraham was the physical father via sexual intercourse. But then his other child, Yitzhak, the child of Sharaha, a free woman, was not born of the flesh. No, he was born through the promise. I will ask, who made the promise? Yahuwah did. The beginning of the promise as well as the completion of the promise, and in fact, everything pertaining to our citizenship within that promise was nobody else but Yahuwah. Not even Abraham was capable of lifting, well, a finger when it came to claiming his inheritors. That is to say, if any of the 12 patriarchs and their prospective tribes could claim a redemptive relationship with Abraham as their father, then it was only a spiritual one.